Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Thanks, bruv. Thanks, bruv. Good morning. How are you guys doing? You guys look good. You look strong. You look, you look dangerous. It's a dangerous church. The devil's not happy that we're the church. Um, I just want to thank our worship team. Can we just give a hand for our worship team? You know, you know, those, like, it's, those guys don't get paid, right? Like, they show up here and, and use their gifts and their talents. Um, they get here, like, what, 7.30, something like that, 7.30, 15, 7.15, and, right, they're here every single week leading us in song. That's a gift, that is a gift, and, and we just honor you guys for that gift. That's um, it's special. It's special. I'm excited to share with you guys this morning. Um, I love our church. I think we have the best church in the world. Um, I may be a little biased. I've been, I've, been, um, I've been at Oasis now for just under six years, like the first month that we were at Lacuna. Uh, was like my first Sunday. <laughs> and to see what God's doing in this place as, you know, the, to watch over the history and the life of this church, it's pretty special. And I just want to encourage you that you are sitting in the midst of a move of God in Chicago. And my, my really my heart this morning is wherever you're at in faith, wherever you're at walking with God, I want to encourage you. And my goal this morning is to push you into action. That you are in the game whether you realize it. There is no sitting on the sidelines. And I just, I just felt like this urge and this, this thing in my heart that like if you're sitting and you're like, I just, I'm not on mission or I, I don't have a sense of purpose or I don't really understand why I'm here, right? I'm I, I'm just an account manager, or I'm just a teacher, or I'm just a nurse, or like, what, right? Wherever you're at, you're not just a teacher. You're not just a nurse. You're not just a consultant. You are an ambassador of a kingdom that is coming, and you are called for such a time as this. We are called for such a time as this here in Chicago. And so if you are, right, if you're removing yourself from the game, I just want to challenge you this morning, step up. Step in. Amen? I want to talk this morning, uh, and the, the, how like, the Lord did this is actually quite funny. Um, I don't even think JP was preaching, but he was up, he was up on stage uh, like three weeks ago, and he was actually joking about, and I'm not coming after you right now, he was actually joking about Rachel. And he, he was making this joke about how Rachel waits to the very last minute to fuel up the gas tank. 
Okay, so so there will be some there will be some counseling moments because there's disagreement there. But what I'm saying, right? So so JP was sharing, right? The 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 right like all of the different destinations take priority in that task, that uh, discipline of getting fueled up can cause him some issues because he gets in the car, right? And he calculates, I have 10 minutes to get to my destination and gets in and goes, I have to make a decision. Am I going to risk getting stranded on the side of the road or am I going to be late to go to the gas station to fuel my car, right? The Lord will use anything to speak to you. (laughs) And in that moment, I realized that 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 was my life. And the Lord began to challenge me in my own life. And, and what, he was, what he was showing me was that the destinations of my life, the things that I had been called to, the good things, were taking priority and that being fueled up in God's presence was an afterthought. And what he showed me is that there's Nick, he said to me, Nick, there's two ways to live your life. You can be pushed into the presence of God by, your issue, by, by, by the different places that you're called to, or you can enter into those places from the presence of God. And there's a nuance there, and that nuance is everything. And I had just like this sobering moment where I'm like, oh man. Right, because I'm right. Like personally, I've I've been in a season where I feel like I'm like really being called to take ground in different areas and go after different things, and those are good things, and we have those seasons. But if we're if we're going after those different things from a place of being depleted, then our engagement with God and the place that we go is actually out of a place of lack rather than walking in abundance. And so the Lord just began to be like, "All right, come on, let's have some fun." And he began to speak to me and he began to, to reveal some things to me. And really what he did is he called me back to some fundamental convictions or commitments that he has instilled in me and I believe are a part of like the, the basic teaching of Jesus. And he, and he said, it's just a time to return to fundamentals. Living from the presence of the Lord. And so I just wanna, I just wanna, walk through some of those this morning. And my goal is to spur you in your faith, right? Because there's, there's, there's two ways to live. We can live feeling like we are constantly retreating from battle, like we're constantly being chased, or we can live strengthened in the Lord where every single day the devil is angry that we're walking out of our front door. We can live strengthened in the presence of God, walking into every single sphere of influence that we have and making impact for the kingdom of God. And so that's what I want to call you. That is your mandate. That is not the church mandate. That is your individual mandate. And wherever you're at, we're going to talk about this. Wherever you're at, you have influence. Amen? Okay. So I'm just going to talk through just five basic commitments this morning. And my goal is after we go through these, that we just commit to these. The first is a commitment to presence over productivity. 
A commitment to presence is a commitment to life marked by God's activity among us. Real life engagement with God. And the, the place that I want to start in the Bible, because you guys are like, Nick, when are you going to open up the Bible, man? The place that I want to start, I don't usually preach like this, by the way. I usually like open up a text, so, so bear with me. I'm going to be jumping around in a number of different places. It is so good to see you. Um, but I want to actually draw our attention to the people of Israel. And in Numbers chapter 2, we see this profound um, picture of the way that they geographically structured their nation in the wilderness. And what we see is that the ark that hosted the presence of God was actually at the center of their life. And all of the different tribes camped around that presence, and it was specifically to protect what was at the center. So the way that they organized their camp, but not only that, the way that they made their decisions as a people. So there was the cloud by day and the fire by night that actually determined when Israel would move and when they would halt. This is why when they get to the threshold of entering into that promised land in Exodus 33, Moses prays that famous prayer and he says, Lord, don't call us to this place. Don't push us to enter in if you're not gonna go with us. If your presence isn't with us, don't send us. And what we see is that throughout Israel's journey in the wilderness, the God that they learned to love on the journey became more important than the destination. They spend all of this time on a journey with the presence of God at the centerpiece of their activities, their life. And they get to that place where they're finally gonna enter and he go, well, if we don't have you, we don't even want the, we don't want the end result. And that's what it means to love the Lord. It's this unwavering commitment that his nearness, his activity, his steadfast love, his peace, his life is better than life itself. Not only is that a theme throughout the people of Israel, but Jesus models this himself. Over, over 20 times throughout the New Testament, you get this, um, you get this rendition or this uh, this type of phrase in the text. Jesus withdrew to a solitary place, right? Constantly throughout the scriptures, you see Jesus removing himself from the scene in order to go into prayer with his father. Don't you find it strange that before Jesus was ever launched into public ministry, he spent 40 days in the secret place. It's my conviction that those 40 days were the foundation of his entire ministry. And notice, I didn't say a commitment. I'm not saying here a commitment to the prayer closet, right? That we have to be 
sitting in secret in our prayer closet all day long and that we don't actually get into the real rough and tough places of life, but it's a commitment to the secret place and maturity in God is learning that we don't have to be alone to be in secret. And what Jesus learned in those 40 days, sure, he learned how to be in secret, but what happens when there's people around? Can we be in secret when there's people around? But a commitment to that type of life is often intangible and not measurable by human and worldly standards. And that's what I want to encourage us in this morning. One of the traps that we can fall into is when we try to measure our hidden secret life with God according to worldly standards, we can get caught in the rat race of going, I'm not producing results. And that's um, the, the, the great Catholic mystic, Ronald Rollheiser. Is anybody familiar? One, we've got a couple, couple. All of, all of the people I've given his books to just raise their hand. That's funny. You know, he reflects on this idea and he goes, he goes the, the greatest, one of the greatest challenges to modern Western Christians to living a life of abiding presence is pragmatism. If you don't know what pragmatism is, because I probably wouldn't if I was in your shoes and hadn't read Ronald Rollheiser. It's the West's pressing need to produce outcomes and results. And the irony is we live in a culture so fixated on results and outcomes, yet in the process are desperately longing for the rest and peace that comes from a life of abiding. We see lack of rest from our work, lack of peace in our work, lack of direction with our work, lack of fulfillment from our work. And I believe that, in my charge to us this morning, what I believe is that when a group of people learns to prioritize presence over productivity, that the world that is desperately longing for deep, rich, satisfying life in God looks at that group of people and goes, I want what they have. So I want to ask you this morning, are you caught in the rat race of production? Just getting through the week, bouncing from event to event, dinner to dinner, commitment to commitment, and missing the God that lives to tabernacle with you. Are we making our decisions based off of what we deem productive or useful for us instead of hearing and receiving what God has for us and obeying? Are we deliberately structuring our lives around the word of the Lord and what he has called us to do in this season? Choose this day a commitment, presence over production. Okay, the second... Okay, and I and I forgot to make I forgot to make this one caveat before we started. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> just enjoy it. Yeah. 
I don't feel nervous anymore talking to you guys. I feel like family in the room, so it's fine. If you're like, oh my gosh, is he nervous? No, absolutely not. The second is a commitment to first love over second. First love over second. If you can turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. I'm gonna read this text. Teacher, Jesus is in one of his customary scraps with the religious experts of the law. That's the context here. And they ask him, what's the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This passage is profound and perplexing for so many reasons. The first being that Jesus is speaking to men that have studied this law their entire lives, and it's kind of comical. He goes, I'll sum it up for you in one statement. Here you go. Nobody thinks that's funny. You meet somebody, they got like 10 PhDs. They've literally studied this one subject their entire life, and a carpenter walks up to him and goes, hey, I can, I can, I can just summarize all of it. One statement, here you go. kind of audacious. And what he says is that the overflow of our love for God is the primary fuel of our ability to love people. If you, if you get to the essence of what he's saying, he says, if we learn to love God, loving people isn't a task. Now, I know some people that sometimes it feels like a task. So am I wrong there? And I say, yes, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I need to come into alignment. What does that mean then, right? That's, that's really what, right? When, when, when you come to a contradiction with God, we have to assume we're wrong. We're missing something, right? And that's what humility does, is it places you under the word and allows God to reveal himself. But when we don't approach the word with humility, and we approach it as a surgeon that's trying to dissect, it never, right, as Pastor JP says all the time, we don't give it the space to dissect us. It's another sermon, another time. What's fascinating about it, though, is, right, according to 1 John 4, we actually can't complete this task without receiving God's love first. Right, 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. So I want to submit to us this morning that if we are to master the art of loving people, we need to master being loved by God. And that work is harder than we probably think. Right, because when we receive love from God, there's this profound thing that happens called grace that's infused into our life. And I don't know about you, but... That beautiful song we sang this morning, the one right before the last one, what was that called? One Name, my goodness. That was my story. That's my story. There is a God that has given me an abundant supply of grace. And he has forgiven me when I didn't deserve to be forgiven. He's shown me mercy when I didn't deserve mercy. 
grace when I didn't deserve grace. And it's only when we are infused with that grace that we can then give it away to others. I want to turn your attention. John 15, verse 9. Mark this in your Bible and just meditate on it. This is what Jesus says to his disciples before he goes to the cross. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And what's profound about that is because before Jesus ever sends people to go and make disciples, he calls them to stay and remain in his love. It's a model for us. Stay and remain before we go. So I ask you this morning, are you spread thin in your attempts to love people? Are the different places and spaces that you're entering to give the love of God, leaving you, drawing you into the presence of the Lord, depleted and on empty? If we're trying to love people apart from first receiving God's love, we will burn out, get frustrated, and ultimately hurt ourselves in the process. And so I want to encourage us, choose this day a commitment to first love over second. And as we master first love, second love will take care of itself. You guys doing good? You ready for number three? A commitment to faithfulness over influence and success. A commitment to faithfulness over influence and success Faithfulness with our life, as Pastor Josh so incredibly talked about last week, it brings joy to God. But we actually live in a culture that praises influence and status and success over faithfulness. And so we find ourselves on, in difficult territory because the, the, the cultural, uh, the, the spirit of the age, you could say, pushes us to prioritize success and influence prestige over being faithful to what God has asked of us. And if we are to be people that live fueled up, prioritizing living from that place of presence, we have to prioritize faithfulness. Because if we prioritize success, we are going to be driven by those different areas that we're seeking success in, and be depleted because we're ultimately supposed to be getting our life source from him. I want to talk briefly about a man in the Bible. You guys know him. His name is David. And his life is a model for faithfulness to us. And I just want to talk about some different phases of his life where we see that David prioritized faithfulness even when he could reach on his own and grab success. Phase one, faithfulness in the mundane. First Samuel 16, David is anointed to be king and he spends several of his next years tending sheep. So before David was ever in a position of influence, he knew that he was called to be faithful with God's call. 
That's important for us. He was by no out, outward appearances or standards the right choice. But I believe what God saw in David, that man after his own heart, was a heart of faithfulness. And what David proved in the mundane places of his life was that he was faithful to steward the little that God would give him. And you only know if you're actually faithful until you get tested. And that's the second phase of his life. He's, he's, he's faithful in trial. As David served the reigning King Saul... He grew just like Jesus in wisdom and favor with God and man. God promoted David while he was under another leader's regime. So much to the point where Israel is singing songs about David while Saul's the king. That's not good for Saul. <laughs> He's supposed to be the man and everybody's singing about the guy who's playing the harp in his house. Right? And, and we could talk all about what that does psychologically to Saul. But needless to say, he goes off of, he goes on a bad path. And we get this powerful moment after Saul tries to kill David, David in faithfulness, flees because he's not going to he's, he's not he's not going to retaliate, and David is hiding in this cave, and Saul's going to the bathroom in the cave, and David has the ability to kill him on the spot. Not only does David have the ability to kill him on the spot, he has all of his homies saying, "Do it, do it, do it," and he said, "I won't touch the Lord's anointed." I won't touch it. I'll be faithful. I know what God has said. I know what God has asked of me. And it's not to take this man's life so that I can have influence and success. So that I can be comfortable as, and, 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 and safe. <laughs> the last thing is, is faithfulness with influence. So ultimately, God does promote him and he becomes king, as we all know the story. And if you don't, I apologize for paraphrasing. We have limited time here on Sunday morning. All right, as David is crowned king, he conquers Jerusalem and he reestablishes that land as a place that is devoted to the presence of God. And you get these epic scenes of David, like, I don't, you know, we're very... Um, put together in modern society. But like, these are tribal nations we're talking about. These are, how many of you guys watch Netflix? How many of you guys seen The Last Kingdom? Yeah. All right? <laughs> these are like Viking warrior type guys that are going out to battle, right? And you have David after just conquering the Philistines waltzing into Jerusalem, dancing like a madman before the presence of the Lord. And this is the night, the night that he's instated as the king. 
the first night in Jerusalem, this is the prayer that he prays to God. We sang it this morning. Verse 19, 2 Samuel 7. And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord. I apologize. Verse 18. King David went in and sat before the Lord and said to God, who am I? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? And what I want to point out is that David was the same man in every season of his life. Promotion, the change of seasons, change of responsibility, change of anything. He was the same exact man in every season of his life. And because he was that type of man, God promoted him. Now, we could talk about his leadership failures. Faithfulness, I put my notes, I, 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 I made very sure to put this. Faithfulness is not perfection. Wait, don't let, don't let the enemy twist this. And David had his flaws. Another sermon, another time. But I submit to you this morning that you don't have to be a king to be faithful. You all have lives. You have time. You have energy. You have resources. You have skills, talents, abilities, connections, favor, blessing over your life. And a life that lives from the presence of the Lord doesn't look to leverage those things for its own selfish gain. But a life that lives from the presence of the Lord filled up goes out into the world and goes, how can I use all this that I have at my disposal to leverage it for the kingdom of God? All right. Do you know your assignment this morning? Do you know the things that you've been given? Have we gotten caught up in the rat race of trying to build our brand and influence? Or do we have clear awareness of what the mission of our life is, the teams that we're building, the people that God's given us? Okay. Choose this day. Choose this day. Faithfulness over influence. Okay. The next one, and we're, we're going to land the plane here very soon. So uh, Olivia and Bruce, can you guys come on up? Thanks so much. You guys rock. Number four is a commitment to heaven's perspective over earth's perspective. And I hate praying this prayer, but it's so good. If you want to know if you're thinking from heaven's perspective, just pick a place in your life and go, Lord, what do you think about this? Because he'll answer. Right, when Jesus was on the earth, he taught, and this is important for us to grasp, he taught and lived from a different realm than he was on. He pulled from different resources than were in front of him. And I want to I I go to Matthew chapter 19 because I think it so clearly speaks to a mind 
that is set on eternity and a mind that is set on this world. And I want to call us this morning, like, life is very short. It's fleeting. In Matthew 19, do we have this? Sorry, I'm not supposed to do that. I'll start, I'll start uh, in 22. It's, it's, the, it's the, uh, the rich young ruler. So this man comes to Jesus and he's filled with wealth. He's very, very wealthy. And he comes to the Lord and he goes, all the commandments in the Bible I have completed, what else must I do, good teacher? And Jesus in verse 20, or Jesus in verse 21 answers, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter in the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. How often are we greatly astonished when we open up this book? They ask him, who then can be saved? It's an honest question, honest question. I would ask the same one. Because what they picked up on is this man valued the things of earth. It wasn't just money that Jesus is talking about here. Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. And Peter, poor Peter. Peter goes, dude, we've left everything for you. What then will there be for us? And he goes, truly I tell you, this is the word of the Lord over this church today. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, because he will, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, that means you this morning, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So if you go, how? He says many, he doesn't say all. And what I wanna call us to is the unique perspective of heaven that it touches every single dimension of our life. What we see is that this man was actually gripped. This rich young ruler was gripped by the treasure right, money, but that we can be gripped by earthly treasures. Whether that be your career or whether that be your finances or whether that be your favorite hobby or whatever that thing may be, when it comes into the kingdom of God and Jesus says, is it worth giving up if we can't let that go? We're thinking on this earth's terms, right? Because what does he say? 
every single thing we let go will be returned 100-fold. 100-fold. And then after the return, eternal life. It's so, it's, it's so hard to even talk about eternity because there is no concept of the divine in our culture. How often do we sit and think about that your life is fleeting and at any moment you could be launched into eternity? Are we waking up every single day with that type of perspective where we can leverage our life for eternity? I wanna call us this morning, church, if we're stuck in the rat race of thinking, right? If we're thinking on the same plane as everyone else in, in the world, might be missing it. Is the devil threatened by the way that you are approaching life right now? By your faith, by the severity of your mission? Are you living on mission? Or are we just kind of walking around going through the motions? Choose this day a commitment, heaven's perspective over earth's. The last one, and we're landing the plane. A commitment to being leaders who follow first. Leaders who are first followers. Now you may think you're not a, a leader and I just wanna encourage you this morning. You are. You are. Right? You don't need to be a CEO to be a leader. You know what you need to be able to be a leader? The opportunity to serve somebody. So your family, your friends, your job, those are all spheres where you have the capacity to lead and lead well. Jesus says that the greatest leader is the greatest servant. In John 15, verse 19, Jesus tells the disciples this really, really interesting thing. And he touches on the fact that Jesus himself was first a follower. Jesus had authority because he was a man under authority. Jesus was able to call people to follow him because he was following his father. And that's, a, that's like a leadership gem nugget, man. If you wanna have authority, get under authority in your life. If you wanna lead, get under leadership. But he says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. And I love this passage because it highlights the humility of Jesus as one willing to be led by the father. He's not gonna go rogue. And I wanna say the secret sauce, right? If you wanna know like the secret sauce of Jesus' leadership, he gives it to us right here. He's not doing it on his own. 
So I ask you in your realms of leadership, are you tired? Are you weighed down from doing it on your own? Let's first follow. Because when we follow and we don't do it on our own, we draw from his resources. We draw from his wisdom. We receive his grace in our extent, be able to extend it to others. And I love, I love in, math, in, in Luke 9, Jesus goes, if you want to be my disciple, what does he say? Pick up your cross daily and follow me. So this is a choice. We get a choice every single morning when we wake up. Are we gonna be leaders that follow? I say, yes, let's choose this day. Commitment to be leaders who are first followers. I invite you to stand this morning. Now this is, this message today is for some of us a challenge. For some of us, it's a review of things we're already giving ourselves to. And I just want to encourage us wherever you're at today to respond to the Lord. So maybe one of these hit you. And you're like, I need to make a commitment before God right now that I'm gonna prioritize presence over productivity. I've gotten caught in the rat race and I'm just entering into the gas station on E. Choose this day. This is where you get to exercise your faith. This is your walk with God. This is your life that you get to go and say, this day, as for me and my life and my house, we will choose to make this commitment. Amen? Amen. So I'm just going to pray a blessing over us. And, and Brother Bruce is going to lead us in a time. And I just encourage you to just respond for a few moments in worship. And then we'll head out of here. Amen? Father, I thank you that you have given us the resources. You've given us the supply. You've given us the grace. And you've given us the strength to walk, not according to our might, not according to our power, not according to our wisdom, but according to yours. Lord, that you have made an open door by your body and your blood, Lord, to be able to walk in connection with you, to live from the presence of the Lord every single day of our life, regardless of what season we're in, regardless of what circumstances may look like, we have the capacity and the ability, Lord, to walk in these commitments and to be people that live from the presence of the Lord. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we welcome and invite you to speak to us. Lead us to make these commitments. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Lead us to commit to presence over productivity, to first love over second to faithfulness over influence and success, to heaven's perspective over earth's, to be leaders who first follow. In Jesus' name we pray.